gonna do what they say can't be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm eastbound just like no bandit run Keep your foot hard on the pedal Highway Freaks, Real Truckers, Real Life. I'm the Pink Bajo, your fill-in host for Bry Guy, all the way from Washington, D.C. This is Visit 33. Standing in Caribbean, British Columbia is Damon the Snarl, the mother and son team of Wing It Wheel and Canadian Lady Trucker Janet. We are going to have an awesome episode for you tonight. We are going to talk about a variety of interesting topics. Jayman is going to talk to us about a biography on Tina Turner. Jan is going to talk about California's latest environmental regulations. I'm going to talk about squirrel hunting in Louisiana. We talked about Louisiana last week. And Will's going to talk about China's sign on and U.S. interaction with Asia. Also coming up tonight is Bright Guy One on One Band Wagon, part four of the Drew Arnold Strange Advance interview. This week has been long and exhausting, y'all. So how is everyone tonight? Any news or interesting updates from your neck of the woods? Uh, yeah, north of Calgary, we have a tornado. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez. Yep. Right it, close to where I work. Luckily, I wasn't at work. Yeah. So. Was it really bad? Was it like... No, it, it was a minor one. We We don't normally get big ones. I think the biggest one we've had around here is maybe an F3, with the exception of Edmonton many, many years ago. But Calgary usually doesn't get them that wow. big. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a sort of like something that comes on. When it comes on, it's there, you know. Yeah. Um, like in the U.S., we have, a, you know, this tornado alley that, you know, it's. I, I can imagine living in those areas, um, you know, kind of fearing for your life when those things Anyway, um, 
we had that fire last year where everybody was evacuated. Right. So what it was is, is all that area that burned never got a chance to regrow fast enough. And then we yeah. had that rainstorm and it just washed everything that was loose down. And I think that's what it was. And it, you know, uh, you can find videos of it on, uh, on, uh, on the internet. And it, it, it's when you're, when you're watching it, it's pretty bloody scary. Like it closed the highway and the, it looked like the whole mountain was about to come down. Um, oh, wow. but were there any houses on it? Say again. No houses, or it's kind of in a bit of a spot where there's no housing, so which is good. Okay, that's, um, but that's unfortunately, good. unfortunately, the people on the other side of the highway, which is a lower valley, kind of got flooded out. I don't know if any houses were damaged that bad or anything else like that. I haven't heard, but uh, uh, this is the second time in about five years, I guess, that. The people down there have gotten flooded out. Yeah. So you know, in in the U.S., you know, I don't know if I don't know if you guys remember uh, Hurricane Katrina. Yes, I in do. In I think it was, and uh, well. you know, hundreds of thousands of of houses and people have died and things. And you would think, you know, some people, some people have actually looked out on Louisiana, right, and looked up to say, the Atlanta, uh, Georgia area, you know, North Carolina, you know, some people have gone west, but a lot of people can say, you know, because that's their home. Um, so sometimes, you know, uh, it's hard to live your home. So my point is, like, you know, when you have these mudslides, for example, in that area, you know, some people will stay still, you know, regardless of what just happened. They'll, they'll, well, they'll rebuild themselves. <laughs> you know, I, I've missed... Uh... I've missed two uh, catastrophic um, tornadoes. Missed them. I missed one by 15 minutes, and that was the one that wiped out Moore, Oklahoma. I actually just loaded there and was heading out. And I, I was completely oblivious to it. Like, I mean, it was rain, and then it was windy and everything else, but I was completely oblivious to it. And I didn't even know anything about it until the next day. And actually, the place that I picked up at was gone. So wow. I, I mean, that you kind of blessed. stuff just kind of, it kind of gives you shivers because, you know, and I'm surely not the only guy, you know, um, but still, yeah. you know, you, you get thinking about it. You know, what if the sh- what if the shipper lost my paperwork or what if I couldn't get my truck? Well, uh, yeah. You know, you, you right, start, thi- start thinking of these, you're thinking of these scenarios, you know, and you just... I looked at the devastation, you know, and, you know, all those people that got killed. And, I mean, it hit just at the, the worst possible time. I mean, you know, everybody was at work. Yeah. What do you What do? You do? Exactly. So, oh, what's going on with you, Will? What's that? You know, what's going on with your, uh, in your neck of the woods? Just, uh, just been working um, literally every day, sun up to sun down and, I'm uh, I'm experiencing some some new um, journeys in my life, so um, it's not it's not going too bad. There's some weeks that are bad, but the good over overtake the bad. So I usually um, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, so I, I'm just like you know going with the flow right now. There's some you know 
there there's there's just some some free time I'm I'm using right now to uh further everything. Well, we wish you the best over there, Will. You know, uh, life happens sometimes, and it. You know, speaking of speaking of tornadoes, sometimes you know, tornadoes changes people's lives, and even without tornadoes, things happen in our life, and and it changes the course of our life in a daily basis. So, you know, whatever that's happening right there with you, Will. You know, we wish you the best. So, in DC, as you already know, is in Memorial Day weekend in the U.S. So, just to honor you know, our veterans. So this weekend, starting tomorrow, May 26th, does anybody know or remember Rolling to Remember, which was uh, formerly known as the Rolling Thunder? I remember that. So what it is, is, you know, the the, the hundreds of motorcycle bikers, um, you know, every year they come to D.C. Usually, they, you know, they usually start out in the Pentagon and they kind of, you know, just, going to cruise around D.C. This is like a whole parade of, of motorcycle bikers. And uh, they'd be coming back to Pentagon this year. Since the pandemic, you know, they kind of got held up. But um, they're coming back here in D.C. this year. This, You know, this Rolling to Remember, which is, you know, formerly known as Rolling Thunder, has been around since the late 80s. And so you could literally hear them when they're on highway, you know, hundreds of them. Um, and they do sound like, a, you know, Rolling Thunder, hence the name. Um, but they're coming back here. They, they, you know, they during the uh, pandemic, they usually, you know, set up the RFK Stadium. But since we're not the post-pandemic um, era, so they're going back to Pentagon. So that's, that's going to be the event this year, um, the, 20, the 28th, this Sunday. It's going to be actual drive. But a lot of people, hundreds of people coming into D.C. from all over the U.S. And some people may be coming from Canada. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly. I was, I was out in Maryland right next door. And uh, they passed through when I was uh, sitting for the weekend. I had a load, a specialty load of uh, wood going to uh, the uh, distribution center for uh, Home Depot in Maryland. So mm-hmm. they passed through, and it was ju- it was a sight to see. Like it was just like you're sitting in your truck, and <laughs> the truck shakes. It's like the it's it's the it's it's the weirdest. Like cause, you know, my truck my truck was a beat back then, and it it, it vibrated. It, all of them do, but then these guys started coming by, and the truck started really shaking, and it was really cool just watching yeah. these guys, and like they. They were having a really good time, and uh, it was, it oh, was yeah. uh, really it was really something to see. It, it really is, and you know, it's it's like they've been around since the late '80s, so it's like new generations of bikers, you know, oh, yeah. come to life every decade. So the age demographic goes from young people to you know the elderly uh, riders. So it's, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Jay. You know, it's kind of. It's fascinating to see this tradition that keeps going, you know, decade after decade. So that's what's happening here in D.C. Now let's get into our topic tonight. So every um, every topic, every, every other topic that we have, we're going to be playing some songs from Strange Advance, some of their uh, greatest hits. All right, we're going to go into our topic tonight in our own episode. Um, 
gay man that's snarl. He's going to talk to us about the biography of Tina Turner, who recently just passed. Gay, talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, did you know her real name? No. Tina, Tina Turner is not her real name. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I, it, it, it blew me away because I thought that was her birth name. Her, her, her birth name was Anna May Bullock. She was born in she was born in 1939 in Brownsville, Tennessee. But she comes in now. This is really cool. Like I've learned so much about the lady. Um, she she came from uh, she lived in a an unincorporated community of Nutbush, Tennessee. Now, what kind of a cool name? Not fish. Like, well, anyway, her father was a sharecropper. Um, she always had a yearning to, to, to perform. Uh, she had a beautiful voice. Uh, she sang in uh, in her in her church, which you can really see from her her earlier music because there was kind of a um, a gospel tone to her music. Like if you ever listened to, if you were ever a fan of uh, Ike and Tina Turner from back in the day, you can really pick it up. I mean, the girl could do gospel uh, like nobody. Like she just had that, that, like you just, even if you couldn't see her, if you heard her singing gospel music, you had to stop and listen. Like you, you were attracted to her voice. Um, now, we all know that she was married to uh, Ike Turner and he was a scumbag and he used to beat crap out of her and treated her like hell. But she stuck it through and until finally in, uh, uh, I believe it was 1978, they split for good. And she would go on to a solo career and her breakout solo album would go multi-platinum and you would remember it from as Private Death. It broke multiple records. She won Grammys for it. She won Record of the Year for it. She was, it was uh, on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 at number one. Um, she was at, at 44, she was the oldest female solo artist to, to get a number one record for Tiny Dancer. Uh, she would have many, many, many hits. Uh, we don't need another hit hero for the Thunder Chrome. Um, you better be good to me. Private Dancer, we don't need another hero. I don't want to fight. Goldeneye, break every rule. Rule World Tour, she set another record for the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest paying audience. $180,000 for a solo performance. Like, the woman was an icon. And her shows were second to none. Um, she wasn't just a, um, a singer. She was truly an entertainer. Um, she put on a show. And I I look at, you know, Tina Turner, and then I listen to uh, artists like Madonna, who openly says that they lip sync. And their reasoning for lip syncing is because they can't dance around and sing at the same time. Well, I don't know. Tina Turner did it for 30 years. So what's the difference? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's a thing called studio artist and entertainer like Tina Turner. I mean, she was one of a kind. Um, I'm really glad I got to do this biography because, you know, wow, I, I, I didn't know any of this stuff about her. Um, and she was a fantastic actor. Um, the, uh, she did duets with uh, uh, Brian Adams. Uh, I do believe they did, I, um, I do believe they did two. 
uh, Brian Adams, he, he did a, uh, uh, on his Instagram, I believe he was uh, uh, very saddened by it because apparently they were very close, which I did not know that. Um, she died in Switzerland. I don't know what she died of, but I don't think it's been released yet. Um, but uh, she was, a, you know, like, uh, um, we lost, uh, I just did his biography, Gordon Lightfoot last, last week. And, uh, you know, like him, she's another icon that is gone. And we're, we're slowly, as sadly, we all get old and we pass away. And sadly, uh, our icons are catching up to that, to that, to that age. I mean, she was 83 and, uh, she passed away. She passed away. Um, and it's, and it's sad because, uh, the younger people, um, don't really know who she is, and uh, if you have younger siblings or kids or anything else, let them uh, give her a listen. She was something else. My kid loves her. My kid's never seen her. She doesn't know what she looks like, but my kid loves her music. Yeah, it's truly a lot. Uh, <laughs> and her, did, did you ever see her leg? Yes. Oh, yeah. She, she okay. No very defined legs. You know what she said at one time? You know what she said at one time? And this was so, so cool. She she really admired the dancers from the 40s and the 50s and uh, the 60s, like the Anne Margaret. And, but she really liked the style and attitude of Betty Grable. Now, Betty Grable was pretty much, she was, uh, uh, it was once said that her legs dropped more bombs on Germany than any other pinup girl. She was painted on him all the planes. Um, and she once said that uh, she was asked uh, what her uh, claim to uh, fame is. She goes, well, I'm, stand I'm standing on them. Without them, I'd starve to death. And uh, Tina Turner brought that up once because Tina Turner said that really, uh, I'm in the same position. I'm famous for my legs. And she was. Like, she yeah, she really was, you know. She really yeah. was. Um, she was, but I mean, she had, uh, um, you know, also different era. Um, she worked a lot harder than a lot of performers because she was on her own. You know, I mean, she took it care really of everything. It really is. I mean, it's, yeah, she's like a female version of, you know, she's known as the queen of rock and roll. Um, yes, absolutely, you know, the, absolutely. The, Which really, to me, I don't female version. I guess yeah, because queen, the queen of the queen of soul was already taken by Ella Fitzgerald, so you can't really um, you can't really say that. And uh, the queen of the blues is uh, is already taken by Aretha, Aretha Franklin. So yeah, queen of rock and roll is absolutely that fit. Yeah, she's a female version of Elvis Presley. Well, pretty much. And what I liked about her. You never heard a shitty thing about her, you know, like Aretha Franklin. You never heard her. You never heard her getting on the radio shitting on everybody, yeah. like a lot of these poor, uh, these, these these performers like to do nowadays because it's the, the thing to do. Um, you never you never heard um, another one, Dolly Parton. Yeah. Uh, you never you never hear these they got they had class. I guess is what the, what the word is. They had class and style, and she is definitely going to be missed. Um, you know, it was, I was actually quite shocked when I heard that she passed away. Um, but, uh, yeah, just yesterday, you know, yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I, I don't really follow a lot of it anymore. Like I did 15 years ago. You know, you hear of these people who's like, wow, this is, I just saw them on TV like two months ago. She did an interview two months ago, and who'd have thought she was sick? I didn't know. Oh yeah, I think there. I think I read. She has had about many, many. Yeah, I think but I read all, something about I read something about her having cancer. Oh, what cancer? Yeah, I think so. This was really bizarre. Um, she was not. She gave up her American citizenship and became a. Uh, she be, she became a citizen of Switzerland, and I found that out doing this really? biography. Yeah, doing this the research on this biography. Um, I mean, hey, whatever makes you happy, live wherever you want. You know, right. nobody, nobody has the right to tell anybody where to live, as long as you're not causing problems where you're living. Thank you, Jay. That was an inspiring uh, talk about Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll that we just recently, recently lost. We definitely will mourn um, her loss. Uh, we're going to cut right into our song for tonight, Way Past Midnight, by Strange Advance, fourth album. And then we come back. Canadian Lady Trucker Janet will talk about California's latest environmental regulations. Take a listen to this song. We'll be right back.
that was an amazing song. I really loved it. Um, now, with California's latest environmental regulations and what it may mean uh, as consequences for truckers, okay, um, it could be a good thing, maybe not. Uh, as we all know, California has been trying to electrify uh, the transportation, whether it be cars or, or big trucks, and um, they're definitely doing that in the California ports. Uh, which they figure might be the secret to the future of transporting goods. Uh, charging depots and power grids, plus the truck manufacturers, would have to do major upgrades in order to meet needs. The lower emissions, and unlike uh, previous reg regulations, the change wouldn't have been a scheme like in the past where companies are told to purchase a vehicle because these laws are coming into effect. This is going to be nationwide anyways, where they're requiring us to go zero emissions, right? Um, the only benefit here is hopefully, and I stress that hopefully, um, that they're able to access uh, a bunch of funds that have been set aside strictly for these upgrades by the state. Um, they're hoping this time, though, because in the past, companies have been charged back after these benefits or, or grants that have been given out. They figure, although uh, the ports figure that it will be a mess, uh, transition in the order of, you know, in, in trying to get everything done the way it needs to be done, adding charging stations is similar to when they went from horse and buggy to motorized vehicles for transportation of goods. Uh, decarbonization is coming fast, and the California Air Resources Board, also known as CARB, has required drage fleets, which are allowed in the port, to only buy zero-emission trucks starting January 1st of next year. By 2035, all the drage trucks or fleets must be zero-emission. Um, there are incentive dollars from the state to buy the electric trucks and to build the charging station. Downside that I see with this is there will no longer, uh, they'll no longer allow trucks or companies from further away to load at ports um, if the distances can't be increased to 500 to 600 miles for the electric trucks. Um, more than a third of all containerized trade comes through the ports of LA and Long Beach. Both ports have been established in the early 1900s. Container shipping started in the 50s. Um, residents of southwestern uh, LA County hold several uh, refineries and chemical plants and massive oil field, uh, and they also report more frequent asthma attacks and significantly higher cancer rates. 28.2% of all emissions come from the transportation industry. 22% are from medium to heavy duty trucks. Trucking moves about 72% of all U.S. freight by weight, and they believe, well, obviously, rail can't provide the flexibility and precision of a truck. So California's tricky task is to reform trucking without losing it as a crucial supporter of the supply chain basically meaning that um, they're trying to make all the modifications so that all these things come into place, 
But for a lot of companies, it may not be feasible to go that way. For example, companies um, on the East Coast going to the West Coast or, you know, any of the long-haul trucking companies for that matter. Um, they say that electric vehicles still produce emissions through mining of metals for the lithium and cobalt used in the batteries. Um, the, also, the other issues are hazmat. Uh, it's all hazmat materials, hazardous materials. Um, child labor laws that are being broken worldwide to mine all of this stuff. Um, electricity to charge may also still be on fossil fuels, so it's not really creating zero emissions that way then. Um, now, the EPA has also been uh, quoted as saying electric vehicles emit less than half green half of the greenhouse gases over a lifetime uh, versus, versus a gasoline car. The problem with that is that they're comparing a car to a diesel truck. So I'm not sure quite how that works, right? So, and that, I mean, the other issue that I have with all of this is uh, they talk about, you know, charging stations and everything. Grids have to be upgraded and put into place for the electricity to run to these charge stations. But what about power outages? What about brownouts, which happen every year? Um, these are all things that I'm not sure how they're going to overcome that portion of it. Um, that's my topic. Any questions? Thank you, Janet. That is that that is. I was reading some of it on, on online, and um, it is what what really strikes me though is that you know this pollution, and you know as we know, California is one of the most you know dense um, state in the U.S. And yeah. all I could think of is you know the the COVID area. You know we never really. Really talk about you know wearing masks before COVID, and yeah. I feel like the pollution, um, you know, in California or other parts of the U.S. or you know, matter of fact, all of the world, um, you know, maybe perhaps wearing masks or something like that to really prevent people's health uh, could be one of the things that could be debated. You know, yeah. Like, well, for example, in, in China. Yeah. Speaking of well, and speaking of COVID, speaking oh, sure. of COVID for a second. Now, a lot of people. Never, well, actually, nobody ever brings this up, okay? When COVID happened and they shut down everything, told everybody to stay home, blah, 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 blah. The only people that were moving were truckers. Yep. Okay. Right. And look how clear the air became. The air was in L in L.A. L.A. didn't have smog. You could hit the top. Yep. Near you the could, level. You could hit the top of the grapevine and look down and actually see L.A. But it's still all our fault. Yeah. See, and, and it's another other, another thing they yeah. don't bring up. Another thing they just flatly refuse to bring up is truck accidents drop to almost four percent. Yeah. Nationwide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when everybody was locked down. Yeah. I, I exactly. I remember but all nobody, of that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that because. Yeah. The reason they don't bring that up is then they can't push this bullshit on everybody. Exactly. And another thing right. they, that I happened to read in that same article. Okay. So another thing that they were talking about was the COVID era and the time where all of the um, ships were in the harbors waiting 
because nothing was moving at all, right? And the amount of emissions coming from those were worse than any of the the fresh air traffic in LA at any time. Well, a lot of these ships, a lot of these ships burn the same fuel as trains. Yeah. Um, and that's it, it used. I don't know what it's called now, but it used to be called bunker fuel. It's ugly shit. I mean, <laughs> you think diesel stinks? This stuff's just rude. Um, well, yeah, isn't like, it like anybody, a, isn't it like a thickened diesel byproduct? Whatever. First, it's one of the first um, refined. You get bunker fuel before you get diesel. This is, as far as I'm concerned, this whole electric vehicle thing is the biggest sham um, going today. Um, yeah, because, I mean, even when you go into the statistics of the article, um, I mean, trucking moves 72% of all U.S. freight by weight, okay? Right. Um, yet, overall, uh, there's only 28% of emission, all emissions from transportation. Now, whether I'm not sure the article wasn't clear as to whether that was all vehicles, but they did go to specify that 22% was from medium to heavy duty trucks, right? But even that, right. for all the emissions, 22% is is minor. I mean, minor, especially with all the stuff we've had to do to the trucks already as it sits. They produce less emissions, in my opinion, than a car. Janet, that was amazing report on California's environmental laws that's going to be uh, taking effect this year. Something to really think about, you know, not just in California, but definitely all around all around the U.S. and possibly all over the world. So we're going to cut right into our next song, Kisses and Chrome. Uh, again, from Strange Advance's fourth album. Uh, next up, we're going to... Uh, here, Will, trying to sign on on U.S. interaction with Asia after this song. We'll be right back.
that was a that was a really nice song by Strange Advance. I uh, quite enjoyed it. I'm getting into my next topic here. Um, China is being accused of having hackers spying on U.S. critical infrastructure. And a lot of people ask me why hackers attack uh, federal organizations and stuff like that. And it's because if in the event, you know, um, um, if in the event uh, a country is invaded, um, the country that is invading will have enough access to, you know, they do things like shut off power infrastructure to places. This is why uh, this stuff should be not only re- more reported, but uh, these companies should get uh, better security. Uh, sometimes it's an inside job. Hackers get hired by governments every day to do some things that you would never even imagine, like Mr. Robot stuff. Um, shout out to um, Elliot. <laughs> Anyways, um, so with with China coming in on on you know different infrastructures, um, it it begs the question, you know, um, what is uh what is more important at this time, the physical infrastructure and security of a of a country or the digital infrastructure of a country? And if the answer to that question is both, then why are governments giving away money to um, other countries that they could be using, you know, to save their own from stuff like this? A lot of times, you know, they don't really want to hire the best security, right? Um, there's also a lot of, like, things that go on that are extremely corrupt. But um, it's just it, it, it's just weird how everything started popping up from, from China, like, including but not limited to, you know, um, the Canadian government trying to adopt in uh, China's way of thinking, um, such as, you know, social credit ratings, um, facial recognition cameras, which are now up. Um, There's a lot of stuff that back in the day would be illegal that is not illegal anymore. And just imagine if, uh, if your own state or city, whatever country it be, is, you know, okay with spying on you. Just imagine what uh, the countries attacking them can see, you know. And uh, then, you know, randomly you get ads popping up on your phone and people think it's coincidence. I don't say, uh, I don't say it like that, though. I, 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 I say coincidence as coincidence, which means it coincides with things. There's always an answer to a lot of things in life, you know. And um, this is... This is something extremely concerning, and uh, a lot of people in the U.S. should be um, checking a site right now. It's called HaveIBeenPwned.com. You can go on there. Uh, you can Google search it if you want. Um, but you basically just enter your email into there, and it'll tell you uh, what passwords of yours are leaked. And um, you could go in and you know change all your passwords after that, but there's still there's still companies there's still apps that you're allowing these these things to happen so you know if if you have facebook on your phone and you've already allowed permissions i mean it it it's not really logical to you know freak out about it i don't know um anyways yeah that's that's my subject well stop and think about it for a second will you know you look at china and uh uh i mean they're kind of militarized oh yeah um 
And if you ask me, and I'm not singling out anybody, I'm not, this isn't a, an American thing or a Canadian thing. This is a North America thing. And if you ask me, since social media, people in North America, Canada, whether it's Canada or the United States, have to be the stupidest sons of bitches that God subgusted into. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious for a second. Stop <laughs> and think about that. What is it? The one, like, you go online and you can see it every day. Everybody sharing their freaking business. Yeah. I mean, I was online and I'm listening to this one guy. I don't know where he was from. He could have been from Canada. could have been from the States, whatever. And he's showing all the guns he owns. <laughs> Okay, like, okay, that's really, like, okay, no, that's really cool. I like guns. I really do. I'm more of a yeah, but, believer but, but now you're letting, guy. letting every federal you know agent what? know. <laughs> when people ask me right. what kind of guns I own, I say, uh, none of your freaking business. <laughs> that's how it should be. That part. Okay, I don't share right. information like that. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's that they just don't think. Or, or what it is, but, you know, all this information, as soon as you hit send, it's out there. And it, you can't get that back. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I, um, I, don't, I don't share information online. Um, not like that. Um, if you ask me my opinion on Trudeau, I'd like to throw that prick out of a plane. <laughs> and I'd like, to, I'd like to see him smear on the sidewalk. You don't like that? Come and arrest me. You this said called free speech. You said Castro wrong. <laughs> oh, Castro! <laughs> uh, I hate that son of a bitch. I hated his old man. I hated his old man. Um, but then again, when it comes to politicians, I could do the same thing to all of them, right out the back door of a plane yeah. at forty thousand, and the world would be a better place. You know. Yeah, so, definitely. Meanwhile, you've got China just absorbing all this information. Well, I mean. And- when you think about it, like like um, even if you just share your first and your last name on a profile, doesn't matter if if it's like mixed between two profiles, whatever. I I can guarantee you, me myself, I can get your exact address, who your neighbors are, um, all your phone numbers, your emails, just from your first name, your last name, and the yep. first three digits of the area code that your phone number resides in. So oh, yeah. just imagine what these guys have. Right. You know, the thing I look at it, the thing I, I look at is this. Um, luckily, Canadians have um, the RCMP. And those, those, those village idiots couldn't find their ass with both hands. So you're pretty safe for now. No, I don't for have now, any. But, you know. I don't, I don't have any use for them people. So. <laughs> and before, I mean, you, uh, before you say, tell you need them, I'd probably get better results calling my mom and she's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, uh, this China thing, I mean, China owns the world. I mean, imagine how much the U.S. owns uh, China, with trillions, with trillions or whatever. And uh, what I was going to say is that all these things, like, you know, say iPhone or Apple products, you know, uh, it, it claims that they have the the best uh, operating system when it came to, say, you know, uh, electronic products, for example, like iPhones. Um, but I don't think, I, I don't think that they are the best ones um, because 
anything online is hackable, you know? Like what you were saying, you just need minimum information about a person, and then you can unlock a whole Pandora box about them. And, um, you know, if any of your information is, is you know, online, is hackable. Like, for example, even if it's not in your phone, like government, for example, like DMV records online, that's hackable, you know. Um, we've had some uh, instances here in the U.S. Uh, not just some corporate side of things, but also government. Uh, but the government do have some, you know, they do hire hackers, believe it or not. <laughs> yep. um, you know, there are professional hackers that are hired by the government to protect all sorts of a variety of things, like defense and communications and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, China has got the U.S. sort of like in the mix in, in some aspects. Um and how the U.S. kind of interacts with the rest of the world. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm not under an NDA anymore, so I can I can disclose this to, to everybody. Um, I 100% know that to be a fact, uh, as in, like, government hiring hackers, because the Canadian government try, uh, uh, put me and my best, my best friend through school. And, you know, uh, we were uh, basically contacted by... Uh, a CEO of a company, not going to name names, but they basically said, told us, hey, look, we'll pay for your school, your OSCT, so your offensive security certified professional. And um, it was uh, it was an expensive course. We were told, you know, after this, we're going to send you to blank location. But we didn't end up going out there because they lost the contract. And um, this is this is when I got introduced to government contracting. So governments do contract. I, I don't know if you've seen the movie War Dogs, but go, governments do contract um, people out to do oh, yeah. a, 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 a lot of, you know, weird things, right? Oh, yeah. I, I remember that, that, that movie. Actually, it's kind of scary now, now that I think about it. It's, it's a lot of it, it's, it's not all of it. It's true. Yeah, it's, 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 it's based on, a, on, on true, true events that happened at one point, right? Some gun dealers were, you know, just messing around, and they met the right people at the right time, which allowed them to sell uh, bullets that, you know, the, the, the government wasn't aware of at the time until, you know, too many were sold. And um, I think, like, one of the stipulations about selling weapons is you can't sell anything that's been made in China. So uh, these guys had been making stuff that was made in China, and um, they were caught and imprisoned, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Thank you, Will. That is, uh, oof, it's kind of scary. Again, I think we talked about some some of this last week and to, you know, talk about another area of this topic. Uh, again, kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's very important to, to also um, protect yourself as we continue to live in the technology era. So cutting into our another song uh, by Strange Man's second album, I'll Be the One to Cry. And when we return, I will be talking to you guys about um, squirrel hunting in the state of Louisiana. Take a listen to this song. We'll be right back.
so I was reading uh, about this one, and, and it's completely legal to um, to to hunt squirrels down there. Like they, they they do have other things, like you know, they they hunt quails and rabbits and squirrels. And I'm I'm from the DC area. Uh, I'm a city girl, so I don't necessarily be thinking about hunting squirrels. You know, when when I see squirrels. Um, outside, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'd just be running away. But in the state of Louisiana, that's not the case. It's completely legal to hunt squirrels down there. In fact, there are more than 50,000 squirrel hunters down there, and they harvest about 750,000 squirrels a year. I mean, can you just imagine how many squirrels are um, <laughs> in, in a year? Uh, but it, it, is, it is legal, and but you have to have a license. To, uh, to hunt squirrels down there. You have to be 18. Um, and I think there is a minimal fee to, um, you know, to get the license. And, of course, you have to be an experienced uh, hunter. But they also have, like, you know, people that can train you how to, to hunt squirrels. But I never really looked at squirrel as something that, um, you know, I would hunt. But there is a reason why people really do that. To really keep the balance, uh, you know, kind of this environmental balance down there. Because if they don't hunt squirrels sometimes, you know, there would just be extreme abundance of squirrel down there. And it, it is, it is a negative, it has a negative impact to, uh, crops down there, uh, in Louisiana. So, um, there, you know, you can't just go out there and hunt squirrels. Uh, there's a season for it. In fact, they are in the middle of the season to hunt squirrel in Louisiana. I think it's like May 1st to the 28th. And then there's also uh, the uh, fall season for squirrel hunt. Um, so, you know, it is it is a culture down there being in the south to, uh, to hunt squirrels and rabbits and quail, bob white, you know, bobcats even. Um, but like, I don't know about you guys, but... You know, I didn't grow up hunting squirrels, so this is really fascinating to me. I don't know about you guys from Canada, um, if this is something that that you all do in in, in Canada. Uh, you know, Janet, Will, is this something that that you guys do? I mean, Jay, from your experience being on the road, is this something that you hear uh, people talk about? We used to do gopher hunting as kids. Well, what do you yeah. all hunt? Oh well, no, we hunted gophers, ground groundhogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That um, was that was how we learned how to shoot. Of course, oh, well, we're talking Gen X here, right? So, <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. What what, what 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 kind of guns do they use that down there to hunt squirrels? A twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-two BBs yeah. because anything bigger than that would blow it apart. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm wondering. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, that's that's exactly what we use too for the gophers. About the same size, right? You know. You just use right. a little. Uh, right. They're called a they're called a varmint rifle. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Actually, I, I had a I had a twenty-two. Uh, uh, it was actually um, a Daisy pump action twenty-two rifle when I was a kid, and that's kind of around what they would use. Um, a lot of fun to shoot. Uh, if you just like shooting, those 22s are a blast. You go down to Walmart for four bucks, you buy a buy 100 rounds and go out and have some fun. But um, I'm a Western fan, and 
if you listen to uh, or watch any old westerns, uh, Jimmy Stewart, Errol Flynn, John Wayne, all the way, even in, there's an episode of Gunsmoke about squirrel hunting. Yes. Um, um, it's, uh, it's not uncommon. It's not unheard of. Um, I've never done it. I never heard of anybody doing it up here. Um, mm-hmm. Rabbits. Yes. Now, yeah, rabbits are good. I've had rabbit meat. Um, but no, uh, that's more of a that's more of a southern thing, I believe. Yeah. I yeah. could I, I could be wrong. I, 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 I mean, I could we be don't, wrong. We don't know what the east. Like I, I'm not familiar enough with, uh, you know, east of Manitoba, um, where. I guess the terrain would be similar, you know, who knows? But I know for a time, um, raccoon tails and squirrel tails were very popular at one time. Yeah. Um, back in the back in the 80s, they were hanging from rearview mirrors tied to antennas. Uh, girls were car- had them on their purses. Uh, my dog ate mine. I had a fox tail. Dog ate it. <laughs> um, yeah, that lasted in my truck for about three seconds. Um, <laughs> and uh, but no, they were very popular. Um, and then it just died out. I'll just mention that you know uh, when I was reading this that you know you can't just go out and just hunt squirrel however many times you want. So it's like there is a limit as to how many squirrel you can hunt per bag. So it's like six, and then I think I think the the limit I think is twenty per year. Um, or per season, rather. So uh, you can't just go there and hunt as many squirrels as you as you want. And and I was told by this person on my video cast that you know this is not something that you know uh, they put on the menu on restaurants. Because I did say you know I'd be very very if I was to be in Louisiana that I would be very cautious when I look at a restaurant's menu and make sure that there is no. Um, squirrel on the menu but you did say that you know they don't they don't put squirrel on the menu um it's only you know kind of household type of thing so if you go out and get your license and hunt squirrels and then whatever you decide to do with them you either cook them or whatever um you do that but they don't put that on menu and that made me very very safe well you um, can I don't go think you can go online um I've never gone online and found anything, but I was in uh, uh, Ozarks, Missouri, there, and there's mm-hmm. actually there is actually cookbooks on possum, squirrel, raccoon. You're kidding? Um, no, <laughs> no. Well, we yeah, gotta remember. there are, you gotta, there you are gotta, recipes online. Yeah. You got you got to remember a lot. A lot of these are passed down from generation to generation, going back. That's very true. Long before the Civil War, um, people hunted. Yep. You wanted dinner, you went out and got it, right? Um, Yeah. So you got all this stuff. And a lot of these books, I don't know if people actually use it. I don't know. I don't know. I've never never had anybody come over and ask me, hey, do you want to try some raccoon meat? (laughs) Um, I've never had it happen. I don't know. Um, But... um, uh, I think it's more of a, uh, a, for the historical value, maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe people do eat it. I don't know. I don't know. People eat rattlesnakes. Uh, so, um, I really couldn't tell you, but I have seen it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I 
have it in me to eat anything more than... I'm pescatarian, just an FYI. I only eat fish. So, well, this, well, <laughs> this yeah, you, about... gotta, you gotta go back. Okay, like, uh, we were also raised from the... Well, me, the 70s. Brian, who knows? I think they just started putting air in the tires when... I don't, you know, we didn't hunt. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, some of the old boys did, uh, but we didn't. Um, you go back to the okay. 40s, you go back to the 40s, hunting was more common. Okay? And no. more... And then after, well, because, you know, we had the Great Depression and all that, and, you know, people couldn't afford anything. It was okay. either go and hunt for your food if you could, or you died, because nobody right. was going to take care of you. Well, I mean, I grew right. up on I grew up on venison, so, I mean, my, my parents were hunters, so oh, I... Bambi burgers. Yeah. I miss Bambi burgers. <laughs> and elk and moose <laughs> and bear... Everybody got mad at me when I would call them Bambi burgers. Oh, that's so cruel. Meanwhile, you just shot Bambi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, back then it was uh, a means to an end, a way to oh, yeah. be able to survive, you know, to the next check yep. coming in, you know. But each generation, mm -hmm. it changes. Yeah. You know, so you go back, you go back even farther. Now you got people that hunted daily. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's more, I think it's just more of a more of a traditional type thing. I mean, I'm sure somewhere out there, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a, there's people that eat squirrel. Hey, whatever, all the more power to you. But you know, you know what? It's, it's got to be just a matter of time before you see squirrel meat on a package at the store. <laughs> I don't think I'm it'll ever come to that. I don't think I don't it'll ever come to that for the simple reason, for the simple reason. Um, they are a rabie-carrying rodent. Remember that. It's got to be cooked good. Like, you don't just... Right. Give me a little bit of squirrel meat, you know, medium rare. You just don't... Yeah, but, you know, 20 years ago, you would have said that about bison. Well, not that it was a rabie-carrying thing, but um, that you would never see bison in the store or rabbits or, you know... Right. Well, the reason the reason for for bison is we didn't have bison farms. Bison were protected. Bison was is well, it's still a protected uh, animal. Yeah. The only time you, the right. only time you can get is, is get bison meat is from a a bison ranch. Like yeah. you ain't getting wild you ain't getting wild buffalo. No, it but, ain't uh, but but we're also likely if it were to ever get to market. I get be, what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I it would be farmed like like rabbits are, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know what? I've mm -hmm. never seen rabbit. I've never seen rabbit for sale in a store. Oh, I have. Have you? Yeah. We I've don't have. We don't mind, have. mind you, mind you, I haven't <laughs> gone to a store and looked for looked for a package of Bugs Bunny to go home for dinner. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, it's just something. I guess if you're looking, I guess if you're looking for it, you'll find. You'll find it in some yeah. of the more obscure stores in the freezer section. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, you know, like I duck. Well, I mean, look at duck, duck quail, yeah. uh, oh, goose. I, think so. well, I mean, goose has been around a little longer, but duck was a luxury. 
quail was a luxury, and it's only in the last 20 years that you've seen quail, you know. You know, goat is along those lines, too. I mean, you don't see goats. Yeah. A lot, I hear a lot of people who goat meat, and um, I have a cousin. Uh, I'm one of those city girls that are not cultured to understand the different things. And so, yeah, goat meat, oh, they're very curious. Well, and a lot of these, these meats that have come in are now as a result of more and more cultures mixing. That's right. Right. So you've got your goat and your lamb, which wasn't as common in the stores. You've now got it because a lot of the Middle Eastern cultures will, that's that's what they grew up on, right? Well, so the, that's, the, Greek, the, Greek, the Greeks are huge That too, yes, yes. But I mean, even the goat, uh, yeah. you know, it's not something that we grew up in the stores looking at, you know. But now it's there, and I mean, it's nice because it adds diversity to your diet. I mean, uh, I'd still rather have a ground Bessie burger. I don't like lamb. Yeah, I find <laughs> personally, I find lamb and and goat a little too fatty, personally. But oh, I just, I, just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's 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 preference. Some people love it. Give me venison uh, or give me it. beef. <laughs> you know? I like beef. I like beef. Yeah. Give me a nice, um, nice okay. steak and I'll be happy. Well, the problem with steak is yeah. you got to put a, it's like putting a down payment on a house. Now it oh, never mind. Now, <laughs> right. when, when, when COVID was around, you know, like, look how high those prices got. Oh. I have a picture of this tiny mm-hmm. little, and I'm talking fist size roast. A hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. I still have a picture in my phone. I could not believe it. My goodness. Just unreal. Well, there's no, there's no well, the biggest problem is yeah. your lobby, lobby, lobby groups. Yeah. Okay. You've got lobby groups lobbying against the beef industry. You've got the beef industry lobbying against these other industries. Everybody's just kind of at each other's throat, and it just jacks prices up. Yeah. Wow. That is one interesting topic on hunting. Um, it is definitely a mind opening for a city girl like me from Washington. Uh, right now, we're going to feature our next song, Home of the Brave, once again from Strange Advance's second album. We'll be right back.
that was an amazing song. Just loved it. And um, this might be an interest to some of you truckers out there. The FMCSA just released the results of their one-day unannounced uh, break blitz. And it was done for Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. Now, for this year, for uh, just past in May here, 11.3% uh, of brakes uh, were put out of service, uh, vehicles put out of service, totaling of 773 trucks. Um, in 1922, it was higher. It was at 14% and 1,300 trucks out of service. 20% brake violation, which means um, they basically had 20% or what left on the uh taken off the brakes where they needed to be done. Um, there's also a few other things that go under this. Uh, 479 trucks had violations, and these violations consist of out-of-adjustment, audible leaks at the brake chamber, um, defective pad linings, or missing brakes where they're required. Now, under other... 368 had other brake violations, either worn lines in the brakes, um, broken drums, inoperative tractor protection system, inoperative low air warning device, air leaks, hydraulic fluid leaks. Now, they also have steering brake violations. Of that, 84 vehicles were uh, put out of service. And under that, it is inoperative brakes, mixed mismatched brake chambers, mismatched slack adjuster lengths, or defective lining, etc. Out of all of the com uh, all of the countries, Canada had 10%, which is 88 out of 894 trucks um, that were inspected, that were put out of service. Mexico inspected 34, or Mexican trucks, 34 were inspected. Six of those were put out of service, which totals 18%. And in the uh, for the U.S. trucks, 11.5%, which is 679 trucks out of 500 or 5,901 inspected, were put out of service. The next um, break split, called Operation Air Break, is August 20th to 26th. And it is the second of the annual brake checks that they do. So be prepared. Be ready for those. Hopefully we have less on the road um, that end up getting put out of the service. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, thank you for that. <laughs> no yeah, worries. Violations. Like what, you know, I would say like one of these violations though, like what, what in your, in your, your report or research, you know, what are, what are some of the, the greatest uh, kind of consequences when people violate this stuff? Oh, I mean, when it comes to the brakes, I mean, yeah, when it comes when it comes to your brakes, that's one thing you don't want to mess around with. I mean, that could be um, life or death, whether it's your life or somebody else's. I mean, you figure eighty thousand pounds, you know, in the U.S. anyways. 80,000 pounds rolling down the road and it can't stop, that's a problem, you know. Coming down yeah, hill, right. you know, no brakes, right. big problem. <laughs> right. Last, I mean, week, last week we talked about, you know, last week we talked about the, 
accident in Virginia. And yeah. now I'm kind of like connecting two dots together. And uh, I think it was, I think one of the reasons was the uh, inadequate um, truck maintenance. So most of it is. Uh, most of it is. To, yeah. Right. Well, seeing a big problem with the newer brake systems in these newer trucks is we can't adjust them. We're not allowed to. I mean, way back when I first got my license, I'm sure when Jay got his, we had to learn how to do a brake adjustment, right? We were allowed to do that. We were supposed to do that. That was part of our, you know, our pre-trips, our brake checks, you know, when you hit the top of a hill where the trucks pull in and they, they check their truck out, make sure the brakes aren't smoking, make sure they're adjusted properly before you head down that hill. Well, nowadays, I mean, we're being told, for the most part, by DOT, you're not a mechanic. Don't touch them. We've got companies. Nope, they don't want us to touch anything. Not even something as simple as changing a light bulb, which goes against everything I learned when I started driving. Because I still remember climbing underneath and, and changing uh, airline connectors or air hoses or, you know, limping a truck in because the belt broke on, you know, on the radiator and having to do a makeshift repair just to get it to the shop. But then again, I was driving my own truck at the time. Uh, company drivers don't quite have as much freedom to be able to do that, you have to sit and wait for somebody. Oh, th that's a good segue to my question, Janet. Like, I don't know, I, I'm not I'm not a trucker, so I don't know these stuff, but like when you're driving in the middle of nowhere and your brakes give out, your lights, you know, go out, and you just said you're not allowed to change anything, like, what is it like to, like, be, you know, to have your truck break down frustrating you could sit there i i matter of fact uh one of the drivers that i work with now um was stuck in bc i can't remember exactly what was wrong with the truck but had the company allowed him to actually do a makeshift repair to get to a safer location he may have been out of there um but he ended up sitting in the middle of nowhere for almost 24 hours because it was a weekend and nobody was open and you know at least they could he could have gotten the truck to you know somewhere where he could park safely he could have access to a bathroom he could have access to food yeah it, it's it, it can be really frustrating well i mean i've been lucky time. over the years but you know i, I look at it i look at it i look at it this way um if i say just for shits and giggles, that blow brake pot, okay? Yeah. Um, and it's a long weekend. If you think I'm sitting there three days waiting for some pinhead to drive out, look at my truck and say, yeah, it's broken, leave me sitting there with, well, he runs off and gets parts, you're out of your goddamn mind. I'm changing it, and I'm sending them a bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Unless, hey, unless, unless you want to pay me by the hour... To sit there. Yeah. And that but if you think I'm gonna I'm gonna and I'm not doing it for layover pay because that's a crock of shit to begin with. I'll fix it myself. I'll keep in my mouth. I mean I'm not gonna overhaul the truck on the side of the road, go to hell, I do it. Um, it ain't mine. But I mean if it's something that simple, 
I'm going to change it. I'm just using a brake plug as an example. Mm. I've never, I haven't changed one of those since my own, I had my own truck. Yeah. Because um, 99% of the time, you discover it in the yard because the guy that dropped the trailer didn't bother doing a proper post trip and writing it yeah. down. Exactly. So it it gets fixed before you leave. But yeah. I mean I've blown air I've blown airlines and you know I yeah, I uh, mean I stopped at a rest area. I mean I went in, used used the washroom, came out and as I was walking back to the truck one of the airbags blew on my trailer. And I, I fell to the ground going, who's trying to kill me? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I didn't realize what it was. But I mean, <laughs> I had to, I had to pull out my toolbox and, and crimp off the airline so that I could get the truck and trailer to the mechanic, you know, to save that um, 120 miles, because I was in the middle of nowhere, yeah. 120 miles one way just to get to the person who was going to repair it. So, I mean, yeah, we're never... talking four hours of travel time minimum just for a guy to come out, okay, that's what it is, get the, you know, get all the information off the airbags and the trailer and all this stuff, and then go back. And then come back out. So there's six hours there just in travel time. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's a benefit to have your own tools and to be able to do that. But when you <laughs> company that I recently worked for as a driver um, was told right in the beginning, do not do any repairs. So I went, okay, I won't do any repairs. So I'll take my toolbox out of my truck and put it in the house. So that's what I did. And I don't know, a couple, three months down the road, pulling the trailer uh, out of one of the meat plants out here and the taillights out. Now, had I had my toolbox, I would have had everything I needed to replace it. And, of course, it was middle of the night and, of course, a weekend. So you got not only a nighttime call-out but a weekend call-out. And one of the the owners says to me, well, why don't you fix it? Because I was told not to carry tools because I was told I could not touch anything on the truck. That's what we have mechanics for. So I ended up sitting there for, you know, six, eight hours, you know, in the lot, waiting for the mechanic to come, do the the five-minute repair. Although, um, for whatever reason, the light was riveted to the back of the trailer instead of screwed in. So I wouldn't have had the tools anyways. But that's neither here nor there, right? Most of the time, a person can do a quick fix in like five minutes. Or, you know, if there's a wiring issue, say a wire is nicked or broken, you reconnect it, throw some shrink tubing on, or throw the shrink tubing on, reconnect it, and put the shrink tube, heat it up, and off you go. Five minutes, done. But most companies won't let you touch their, their units anymore. Janet, thank you for that topic. Definitely something to think about, you know, for your safety. Got to make sure your truck is very, very safe. So keep that in mind. So we're going to... Feature our last song for tonight, Blue Fire, but once by once again by Strange Advance, second album. We'll be right back and do our pile on. I get so tired of hunting. Still can you walls alive? 
tie line. So we're going to do a blue tie line for a man, red tie line for a woman, and black tie line for anyone who has done you wrong this week. So who wants to go first on the tie line? Jay, Will, Dennis? I got a plaid polo tie line. What is plaid? Plaid. 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 Plaid covers. Plaid covers miscellaneous. Okay. Oh. And it's and it's standing right in front of me. That asshole dog of mine. Ah. She did it again. She ate my dinner. Oh no. You know she just wants to get in action. Oh yeah. Oh, she just brought me her squeak. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I added another pie. I, I added a. I added a new pylon. Miscellaneous. <laughs> All right. Uh, Will Janet, any anything you want to give a shout out to? No, I got nothing. Uh. Will. Uh. Um. I mean. There's an election coming up, and I was told not to get political, but uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll give a black pylon shout out to any any indie NDP. No, I'm 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 just kidding. Um, I'll uh, you know, it, it, it just give a black pylon to the Canadian government right now. It um, uh, I don't I don't I don't care if you're blue or 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 if you're red, you're, you're a boy or girl. Just you know, come in and fix our shit. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't given us much options for voting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was a good time, and I'll give my pylon to my own community uh, technicians, because I think I was telling you, uh, some of you guys before the show, uh, my AP's book. And so, and I had been calling them, texting them for the last few days, and they have not come and fixed my AP's. I'm giving them a whole black pylon. Because I know it's going to be summer here in Mid-Atlantic, so it's going to be hot. I don't want to be melting like cheese. So that is all we've got tonight for our pylons. We have an amazing topic this week. So please look for more fun and amazing topics next week. This is how we freak signing off for the night. You have a great week. Welcome to Bright Guys One-on-One Bandwagon. Okay, so we're back for part three of this great interview that we're having with Drew Arnott of Strange Advance. So, you last did Strange Advance 4, which of course means that you put out four albums. Is that correct, Drew? That is correct. Um, yeah. Uh, it wasn't really something I planned, but, um, but in you know, COVID had a hand in things. You know, we had some extra time on our hands, and uh, and and going through material that we were going to play live, I realized, oh man, you know, there's a lot of of, of material here that didn't get reason or another, or, or just like, hey, you know, back in the in the vinyl days, you know, you could put out, I think, you know, you could really only get about 45 minutes onto a, a well, 22 and a half, 22, 22 and a half minutes per side on a vinyl album. And, uh, and, and the problem was if you tried to squeeze any more songs in, uh, the bass response would have to come down. Uh, so your, your album wasn't as, uh, bass heavy as, as you might want it. So, um, there are songs that like, you know, just got, you know, dropped and songs that I loved. And, 
And in the meantime, of course, you know, we've been writing more songs. And uh, so I just realized, well, there's enough material here. We could actually put out another re- another record. And, uh, and of course, I had, you know, like the new players come in and, and uh, you know, record on, on the record as well. And, and, uh, and you know, at one point, you know, we were talking about releasing it. Uh, Capitol Records got bought out by Universal. And so Universal hold all our masters uh, from, from the first uh, few albums. And uh, so we were originally thinking, you know, releasing it uh, through Universal. But then just the uh, sort of financial reality of it hit me. It's like when you do a record deal, essentially you, you get a small percentage of uh, the sale of the record. And uh, so, for you know, maybe for, for every dollar earned, you might make 12 cents or something. And uh, and I realized, well, who are we selling this record to anyway? It's going to be strange advanced fans. And where, how are we going to reach them? Well, they're going to come to the concert. So then I just thought, if, if we just sell this at gigs and on our website, strangeadvanced.com, it's like, you know, we're going to make 10 times as much money than if we actually went through a label. So, you know, that's what we ended up doing. And it's worked out great. And, and and people love the record, and and I've had people say this is your best album ever, uh, which you know I, I might argue with, but <laughs> whatever. It's just nice that people still relate to the music and and still get off on what we do. When I listened to it. I there's a, you use the term strange advancey materials, and and you know what it does. It sounds a lot like like good old strange advance with a little more modern twist. But yeah. like there's there's some really unique songs on it, and um, yeah. we we are going to play a couple of them. Um, you know during your your interview uh, podcast and uh, part one, two, and three. Like I mean, like uh, like where do I start? A perfect day. That was really good. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what Perfect Day is about? Just yeah, well, like I was saying earlier, I don't write songs about, you know, specific... I don't set out to say, okay, this is going to be a song about brown bread. Okay. You know, it's like, no. Um, I just come up with an idea, and, and then I, I, I run with it, and things just pop out. And, and, uh, and you know something? I, I write songs in, this, in a very similar way to a lot of people. Um, I just open my mouth and sounds come out. I'm not concerned if they're words. Um, it's just the sound of words, you know? And, and, and then, and then I listen back to it and go on, what was I saying? What, what, what was I trying to get across? And it's remarkable how many times, you know, I can actually, uh, I wasn't trying to actually enunciate words, but listening back, it's like, oh, it sounds like I'm saying this. And, uh, you know, so that, and that's how, that's how a lot of people write songs. But in, in this case, it was different. I actually uh, was inspired by, you know, an old movie, an old science fiction film, uh, Soylent Green, uh, which was uh, starring Charlton Heston and, uh, and the good old gangster Edward G. Robinson. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, in the film, uh, I guess I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. If you haven't seen it by, by now, you're probably never going to see it. But in the film... It's uh, set in the near future where things are pretty desperate and uh, we're running out of food and, uh, and it's like a post-apocalyptic type of scenario. And um, so what they end up doing is uh, when, when you pass away, they don't bury you, they eat you. They turn you into 
a food product. So everyone's eating these uh, their their protein bars, you know. Nice. The from people, and uh, but but the cool thing about the the movie for me was it was the last movie Edward G. Robinson ever made. I think within two weeks he passed away, and and in the movie he passes away. So it's sort of a you know kind of just predicts his actual future, you know, and uh, and the scene. I found very impactful in the movie because when he passes away, he decides, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out early." And when you do that, um, you know, because people live under terrible conditions, you know, like there's no, you know, might not be any running water or God knows, it just it's a hellish experience for people just you know living normally. It's like we're all homeless, we're all penniless, and you know we're all hungry and et cetera, et cetera. But if you decide to uh, die early. Then they take you into this beautiful building, and uh, and for the first time in in years, you know, you're lying in a in a lovely bed and clean sheets, and uh, and you're being fed uh, good food and, and drink, and and they they play your favorite music and they show you scenes. Um, uh, they show like you know film clips of the way you know the Earth used to be, and uh, so he's passing away, and while watching. All these phenomenal scenes of uh, of life on Earth, you know, where you know they're you know the the jungles of, of Africa or the savannas and 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 herds of giraffes running and 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 it's like it's it was so beautiful compared to of course the way the Earth actually was in that moment. Anyway, it was just very inspiring to me, and uh, so I wrote uh, a song about a perfect day. And, and the funny thing is, it's a very upbeat kind of song, but it's, you know, the actual subject material is all like, you know, death and dying and, you know, and life is hell, et cetera. So, uh, so I, I, and it's similar in, a, in, a, in some respects to a lot of uh, other songs out there, like, uh, uh, you know, Born in the USA, for instance, which, you know, a lot of people listen to and, and think it's just like a big, you know, um, pro-America kind of a, a song. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's it's you know basically an anti-war song, and it's a protest. And uh, but people don't they just sort of get carried away with the music, and they think it's like oh you know born in the USA, and and they're like happily singing along. Meanwhile, not really understanding you know the meaning of the song, the true meaning of the song. So Perfect Day is one of those kind of songs that it's like very dark subject material, very nice light and poppy musical. Now, you do something very, very different on Strange Events for that I caught. Not a lot of people have, or maybe they have. I'm not sure. It's only 35 seconds. It's called Twilight. What uh, made you do that? Well, that's a very interesting thing. And you know something that's not listed uh, on the album? And, um, and only if you listen to, I think, the last track, if you let it run, eventually Twilight comes on, as far as I remember. And... Um, I had this idea. It was just, again, you know, it's a common theme for me, apparently, because I had this vision of a, of a young man sitting in a hotel, not in a hotel, in a hospital, holding his newborn little baby girl. And, and he's holding her, and, 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 it's, and, it's, and he's very happy that, you know, he's got this beautiful little daughter. At the same time, He's looking out the window at all the desolation. And, and you can imagine if it was in Ukraine right now, you know, where, you know, half their cities are just demolished and stuff. And, 
and life looks pretty bleak for them. And uh, and I just had this idea of this this man holding this you know his little darling baby, just saying you know I wish you could have seen the place the way it used to look. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm sad for you that this is the world that you're being you know born into, as opposed to the the one I was born into. So uh, and then I thought, am I going to flesh this out? Am I going to make this a song? And I just thought it's such a perfect little tiny thought. But, well, maybe it's enough the way it is. You know, it's just uh, it's just a tiny little thought. It didn't didn't have to be a big opus or you know make it epic in any way. It could just be what it is, just this little tiny bit of sorrow. It is it is quite unique, and I actually did want more. I'll be I'll be bluntly honest with you. Like, oh, this is okay. All right, okay, yeah. What? <laughs> it's done. I look okay. Did that dip or something? What are you doing to me? <laughs> well, you know something? I've got like literally thousands of little ideas like that sitting there waiting. It's like, okay, are you going to become a song? Are you going to become a song? It's like, you know, and, and the problem is I've got too many ideas. Right. So I just thought, well, rather than, than, you know, think that perhaps I'll turn this into a full-blown song, uh, I'll just I'll just put it on the record the way it is. I won't uh, I won't list it. And and if people find it and like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. And uh, and hey, if 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 you and another bunch of people tell me that should be a full song, come on, then maybe I'll do something with it. So last but not least, I heard that you wrote radio jingles. That just floored oh. me because, as a former radio announcer, um, I I did lots of jingles in my time. Yeah. When did that come about? Well, here's that part of my history. Um, actually, uh, it just just slightly predates the strange advance. Um, Daryl and I were were cutting some demos in a in a home studio, uh, not far from where we lived, and we didn't know this guy, but he had a, a nice little studio set up. And he was a great engineer. You know, he really made things sound good. And um, and at one point, and, and we became friends. And and at one point, you know, we said it would be so cool to actually open up a legit you know, professional studio. And and what? Because he had already dabbled in the world of jingles. And um, and you know, the idea was let's build a studio and let's do jingles in the day, and then. We trade off at night. So, you know, okay, you've got Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got the other days. And um, and we can use that studio time to do our own personal original compositions and stuff. So uh, so that's what we did. Um, it, it took a year to build the studio. And then um, it turned out that my partner was, oh, it was the son of Satan. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. And he had uh, ulterior plans, and oh, it was, oh. It was not, not a good scene at all. I mean, we ended up in court, and it was it was brutal. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I still had the studio uh, when we were offered the deal by Capitol Records, and I thought, oh, I can't, I cannot do both, uh, you know. So I've got to make a decision here, and and because this guy was involved in the studio, you know, I thought, uh, forget it. You know, I, I'm I'm going to say goodbye to the studio. I'm just going to focus on 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 Strange Advance and the album deal. So, uh, but doing jingles, I I enjoyed it very much because uh, 
I'd never in my life had to um, work within such defined parameters. Like when you're doing jingles, you've got to, you know, you basically you record a 30-second song. That's right. And, uh, and then repeat it if, if, if you've got a minute spot. And, of course, you've got to be ever so slightly under the 30-second mark because, um, you know, you, you tend to get cut off <laughs> and stuff. But, um, yeah, so uh, at, uh, when I realized that my partner was, you know, not a good guy, um, you know, we basically split up. And, and then every morning I would have to put on a suit and I would have to take my, uh, uh, my, my demo reel with me and go to all these ad agencies and try to convince them to use us because we were new on the scene. And, uh, and then I would, I'd get like a, you know, a deal for a jingle and I'd have to run back to the studio and, and write the jingle and then record the jingle, jingle and, uh, get that back and, and just keep that process going. So, uh, but what I enjoyed about it was like, you've got 30 seconds, make it good. And, you know, in the past, it's like, uh, I'll take as long as I want. You know, I mean, my God, when you listen to some of our songs, Worlds Away, I think the intro is like probably two minutes long. You just oh, can't world. get away with that. Actually, well, I, wanted, I wanted to talk about Worlds Away before we finish. Um, sure. Because I, I have heard um, that it's been a song about two lovers having to leave one another. Uh, people say it's divorce. I think it's uh, basically they, they've left each other from, and I've listened to the, the song many, many, many times, and I do interpret it that way as well. Uh, it's truly, what I would call it, it's like a cinematic masterpiece type of a song because you can actually picture it like as a cinema piece. Have you ever had uh, Hollywood come calling for Worlds Away? Well, uh, first of all, Worlds Away has been used uh, in, in many shows on TV, uh, sci-fi wow. kind of things and and oh yeah yeah it's, it's been used in movies and and tv and, and stuff uh and i keep waiting for that uh, call from steven spielberg it just has not happened yet but uh but yeah um it's uh it's, it's, it was great when we recorded it and put out the album in the states uh the the president of the company uh put out a personal message to all his employees or you know tens of thousands of people across the country you know, this is your admission. You know, I want you to, first of all, put this on in your car, on your drive home. Make sure you've got, you know, got enough time and just, you know, sink into it. And, uh, you know, it's just like a modern Knights in White Satin, uh, Moody Blues or, you know, it's, and, and, and we got a big push. And, and so lots of people really did relate to the song. And fortunately, um, there's a, there's a, a TV producer. He loves to track and, and basically use it in any show that he produces. So, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool that way. So you're going back on tour, sort of, right? Yep. You've got a show yep. coming up in April. Um, you're doing May, like, uh, in May, May. May, 13th, May 13th in Victoria, and then we head uh, back east and do some dates there. And, and we're trying to get to as many parts of the country as we can because we've got and, – and by the way, when, when we put out Strange Advance 4, I was shocked how many people were buying the record from all over the world, from Japan, from Portugal, Germany, France, Italy, you name it. I've, got, I've had orders from people. And, uh, and, and it's just remarkable that, uh, you know, that it's really, the name is still somehow alive in all these people's minds around the world. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, 
done very well. Okay. So, from what I understand, you have a large assortment of instruments you're taking with you. Um, lasers. Uh, you have about six members. Is that correct? That you're going to be traveling six, with? Yeah, yeah. We've got six guys in the band, and mm-hmm. uh, but, but by the by the time you add it up, we basically travel with twelve people. Okay. So uh, tractor yeah, trailers? Yeah. Are they tractor trailers? Oh no, 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 no. We can't afford tractor trailers. Uh, those are oh. the old days. Ah. Um, you know, these days. Okay, so here's the problem. Um, we can't book like a, a consistent tour. For instance, because well, for one thing, you can't get the venues. Uh, right. What with all the all the cancellations and postponements through COVID, um, you, you're screwed now. It's like okay, well, we want to play Ottawa in this in this time period. Well, all the venues are just slammed. They're booked solid. You know, you can't get anything. So right. uh, you know, when you're doing a tour, you know, and, and not to mention, you know, when you're doing a tour, you've got you know, usually management and, and an agency, and, and you're dealing with all these promoters. Well, you know, that's just not working for us in okay, this time period. If, if you are traveling in three smart cars with the name Strange Advance, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be happy about that. <laughs> well, no, it, it won't be quite that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but, but for instance, um, like one, one lover boy uh, tours. Um, right. Uh, well, first of all, it's not so much a tour, a consistent tour these days, as so much as it is, okay, let's go to this area and play three or four dates in that area and then come home and then go back out to, you know, in a couple of weeks and play another area, do a few dates and come home, and which suits me down to the ground because uh, I don't know about you, but this weird thing has happened to me. I think it's called aging, and, uh, you know, I'm yeah. not up for it. I'm not Either. up for it. I can't, I can't go out for six weeks or six months or whatever. It's like, I got <laughs> I got too much shit to deal with at home, you know. Right. So, so it's fine for me. It's like, okay, I'm gone for a week, I'm back, and in two or three weeks we'll go out and do it again, and, and that works for us. Okay. So you so yeah. if you make a date to, to, to go to Red Deer or Lacombe, Alberta, I'll be there. I'll make time to be there for sure. Well, you know, that's interesting you should say Red Deer because uh, – um, there was a, are they called Islands? I was trying to remember the name of the band. Um, anyway, oh, Future Islands. Um, and they played Calgary, Red Deer, and Edmonton. And, uh, and we were planning to Red Deer, uh, sorry, Calgary and Edmonton, but, uh, and do you think Red Deer is a, a good place to play? I think maybe, yeah. No? Okay, okay. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, the, I just thought, they I have just the thought they have the Centrium. Okay, it's a, it's a good size arena. The Red Deer Rebels play there, and they pack that house literally every week. So I would look into the into the Centrium because I definitely go see at the Centrium. So now would that not draw people away from Calgary or Edmonton? No, I don't think so because you've got okay. you've got Pinoka, you've got Penhold, you've got all those different places around there, and yeah. I guarantee you people from Lacombe would come to see you. So yeah, um, okay, yeah, no, I, I I'd look into that for sure. So well, that's uh, to the tip. You're more than welcome. 90 minutes is just not long enough with you, man. Um, You're fascinating. Uh, There's so much other stuff I wanted to ask you. And, uh, you know, we'd definitely like to have you on at another later date. Maybe, maybe here's one for you. Maybe you can come on Highway Freak, the podcast itself with my panel. And uh, be like one of the guys, right? Or gals. We we have two gals, too. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Okay, well. 
we'll definitely make that a date. That would be, uh, I think Will would be pretty thrilled about that. Guys. Sure. What do you think about that, Will? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'd be so game. Okay, cool. Hell cool. Yeah. And uh, I know that I'm, I, I, you've got a new fan in Strange Advance, because I know Will's going to be checking you out very, very shortly. That's the way he is. I turned him on to Fist, and I'll be turning him on to Strange Advance, and I, I plan on doing that with a lot of different people, because your sound is not a copy sound. And I love original bands that sound uh, very different that, that you can't compare them to. And you can't compare you, uh, your sound to any band out there. Um, it has that 80s sound, but when that voice, uh, you know, whether it's Sean or, you know, it was you or, you know, it was Daryl, it's just kind of a raspy, futuristic sound. And I like that. It's great cruising music too, by the way, if you didn't know. Uh, I, uh, as a truck driver, I like listening to good cruising music when you're doing 600 oh, miles a day. So, yeah. So thank you, Drew. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. And um, we're looking forward to having you on our Highway Freaks at a future podcast. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, I, I'll have to tell you, okay, Drew, you have to come up with two topics. I'll be really intrigued to know what your topics are. <laughs> Although I think I can almost guess. Well, that sounds good. And I, I, I enjoyed doing that. It was fun. Good. It was a pleasure, Drew, and uh, we'll be in touch, buddy. So thank thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Bye for now. Love, dance. Love, dance.